0: Hey guys, I'm Sai, and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. This is episode number 14 of the Danny Batten MMA show. Here at Podca- Ace Podcast Nation, we've got all sorts of shows on all sorts of subjects, from MMA to films and TV to wrestling to car, uh, boxing, films, TV. I've just repeated myself, loads of stuff. Anything you could think of. <laughs> we have a live show, football, every Monday, 7.30. It's live on Facebook, YouTube. And Periscope now. We also have shows uh, unscripted and uncensored where you, the people, decide the questions and the talking points for the guests. We've had all sorts of guests on there from UFC fighters to cage warriors fighters to footballers to actors, uh, boxers, fashion label designers, just various different people in the hands of the people. We also recently dropped a new series, which is called My Story. The first episode was with former England cricketer, a controversial man in many ways, very charismatic and very enjoyable to speak to, Chris Lewis. Uh, episode two was former Wales international footballer, Cardiff City footballer, former Arsenal footballer, Reese Weston, which was a fantastic show. Uh, Reese was a very funny guy. And uh, it was really interesting to hear some of the stories uh, that he came out with, especially some, uh, about his, uh, his when on Wales duty and uh, featuring casinos and bars and all sorts of things. Very interesting. And uh, episode number three, which is going to drop. This is our Wednesday, so today is Wednesday. Welcome. And uh, this, on Thursday, no, Sunday, we will have my story, episode number three, with former WBO world champion boxer, Welsh icon, Mr Robbie Regan. Which was a really, really interesting show, and that my, my friends is an exceptional boxer in his time, and uh, as I say, a world champion. But today, we are talking uh, MMA no boxing on today's show, um, because that's what the people wanted. We've um, while we're in a quiet period of boxing and MMA current events, we're going back and Talking some old events, so uh, we're currently going through the UFCs. We're on UFC two this week, and then each week we'll ask in you the people to send in the classic MMA or boxing bouts for us to also talk. Uh, this week we are talking Royler Gracie versus. Uh, Kaka- I'm going to make sure I pronounce his first name right. Uh, I do apologize. I haven't got his first name there. I think it's Katash, Kakak, I'm going to try. Uh, it's Royler Gracie versus Sakuraba um, from Pride 8, which was a very, very interesting fight. And, uh, and then we're going to go on to UFC number two, which even though they were six months apart from UFC number one, there was a big difference in the standard of co- competitors, which we'll discuss. And uh, these are just incredible to watch. Compared to today's mixed martial arts, not just the the technique and the quality difference, but things like groin strikes and hair pulling and kicks and knees on the ground and other such things. No referee stoppages at this point, um, so it's basically till to the death, almost in, in you know metaphorically speaking. It's a, it's quite brutal at times, but it's it's you can't take your eyes off it for a second. I've got to say, um, and joining me to talk all of this and more. Is former Cage Warriors champion, British MMA legend, Mr Danny Batten. Welcome, my friend. How are you?
1: Yeah, so I'm doing good. I'm really yes. relishing and enjoying these
0: retro moments. I know. You've got like a twinkle in your eye watching all these uh, <laughs> the golds, especially with the Royce Gracie dominating last week's uh, tournament. Yeah. Yep. It was like Christmas for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, uh, we're going to get into the, the Royler Gracie uh, versus Sakuraba match from Pride 8 first. Um, but just before we do that, I'd just like to say uh, thank you for the, to the sponsor of today's show and the ongoing sponsor of the channel. It's uh, Away Day Apparel. Away Day Apparel is a group of casually obsessed football fans who are looking to bring something different to the wardrobe of like-minded people. They are really starting to make their mark on the casual scene and the terraces everywhere, they've uh, got some really, really exciting things happening in 2020. And then not even a global pandemic is going to slow those plans down. Um, they've got new stuff all the time. They've just released new T-shirts. And uh, I highly recommend checking them out. You go to their website, awaydayapparel.co.uk. You'll see all their stuff. Um, you can give them a follow on Twitter at awaydayapparel or Instagram at awayday underscore apparel. And uh, especially for viewers... And listeners of the Ace Podcast Nation, if you use the code AA Podcast Nation, all in lowercase, you can get 10% off all orders. 10% AA Podcast Nation, all in lowercase. And we thank them and Alan for sp- sponsoring the show and their ongoing support. Uh, he's been, they've been a massive help to, to me personally and, and as a channel, helping us secure guests. And just generally supporting us as we continue to try and grow our different shows and series. And uh, Speaking of that, I'd also like to say thank you to everyone who, uh, who downloaded or viewed last week's show. Last week's Danny Batten show was the most downloaded Danny Batten show of, of all time. Other, than, other than Danny Batten's Unscripted and Uncensored, which is still like miles ahead. Because that was ridiculous. <laughs> it was just ridiculous. I'm sure Danny just downloaded it. Like a thousand times himself <laughs> to watch it. That's what it was. <laughs> That's what it was. But uh, yeah. So how's your week been, mate?
1: Yeah, yeah, good. I mean, I um I've still been effectively going to work in terms of um staying overnight at the gym, make sure no one goes in and takes anything. Um, some gyms in our area have been broken into. Um, so yeah, um, you know, and I'm able to get some some bits done while I'm in there. Obviously, I'm there on my own, Um, so I'm I'm staying with the government guidelines. Um, Yeah, so it's just very much home life. At work on my own for a good number of hours and um, back home again and um, just trying to entertain myself and sort of keep myself fit. I did take myself on my, you know, one fitness run a day that you're allowed. Um, I I actually took myself out on a bike rather than a run. But, um, yeah, so that was kind of nice to get out now the weather's warming up. Yeah, it's a
0: good week yeah, all in you know. all. Yeah, I think it's um I think I've said that this I'm um, blue in the face like last weekend I was struggling a little bit. Um and from about Monday onwards I felt a lot better and this week I've been okay. Um just it's difficult you now like my my kids I think they're starting they found it a bit harder this week I think mm. particularly the last couple of days. Yeah. Um, especially the ones who play football the two boys who play football it's starting to hit them that they haven't played like i think initially that week or two off from football because they play so much was probably like a bit of a oh, it's, you know a nice break but like now they're starting to i think it's starting to get a bit irritating for them especially like the older one is 15 he's doing gcs epe and he's doing btec sport at the same time he does academy football and he you know he's very very fit and active and he's got adhd which means Mm. he is so used to doing like almost so much exercise till he's can't you know till he's just got to go to sleep right that he's just used to being so active so i think he's finding it difficult he's you know he's trying very hard to occupy his time and not get frustrated but you know it's difficult and it? and plus it doesn't yeah. help he, he hasn't seen his girlfriend for about a month which i think you know it, it's his uh-huh. own set of problems as a 15 year old but there we go <laughs> but yeah other than that you know it is it, it is what it is what it does really uh to 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 turn a phrase from Andy Campbell really boil my piss is when i see people pictures of thousands of people in in parks, having picnics yeah. and barbecues. That really, really, really pisses me off. Because yeah. like I'm thinking, well, I'm sat at home with my wife, my three kids and my dog. Mm. You know, they'd all they'd all love to go for a, to the park for a barbecue. Yeah. You know, I do you know all my kids would give to go and run around in a field, mm. kick a ball around and stuff. But we're not mm. because that's the recommended yeah. stuff. It's you know, they're saying crazy. they Stay home unless you have to go and get shopping or pharmacy, and and if you can work from home, work from home. If you're not a key worker, and it's like, come on. And these people who are not sticking to it, they're the ones who are going to make mean that eventually the military will be on the street enforcing it, and then they'll probably be the same
1: about that. That's the thing, really. And then then there'll be even more uproar because uh, you know there'll be you know obviously. Anger in having military involved Or the police throwing their weight around even more But what can you do If, if the but, people ain't doing what needs to be done To try to eradicate the issue To hand um, Something's got to be stepped God, up but It is really frustrating because no one's going to get back to work And at the end of the day What's yeah. happening to the economy The people are going to have to pay for in the long run
0: So you know yeah. they, they, they might and see these really- all
1: fun games Being off work at the minute But it ain't going to be good
0: yeah, and those mortgage holidays and interest holidays and all these nice mm. things that these banks and companies are doing now, they ain't going to last forever. No, they're you not. Know, they might do it for mm. a couple of months, but they ain't going to do it indefinitely until everything no. goes back to normal. Um, mm. And and ultimately, the more people stick to the guidelines and stay home, the quicker mm. it will be over. Yeah, As frustrating as it can be, that's just the way it is. But um, yeah. anyway, let's 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 uh let's take our mind off the the madness that is twenty twenty and the world. Um so the fight of the week for us was uh Royler Gracie versus Sakuraba from Pride Eight, mm. which was very, very interesting fight. Um and I had not seen this fight before. Um mm. I knew I like kn- I know the story and I knew the story of the the Gracies versus Sakuraba and um, Takada, you know, and the, the the kind of ongoing almost feud between mm. uh, Hicks and Gracie and Royce Gracie and Royla Gracie and the yeah. Sakuraba. They had this big kind of you know feud, which obviously the Sakuraba went by the nickname uh, the Gracie Hunter eventually. That's actually. Right. You know, after this fight, um, yeah, but it was fascinating to watch this fight for the first time because yeah. it didn't go like I thought it was going to go. The first minute did. I was like, oh, "He's going to do it. you." Know, this is going to be the same as UFC One was last week, yeah. where you know the Royce Gracie was just taking people to the ground, and then mm. you know it's game. Once that's the case, once he's got you in his arms, it's kind of like game over. Mm. But that didn't happen here.
1: No, I mean, there's a few, you know, additional reasons why it was different from the early UFCs um, with the Graces getting it to the ground. Um, You know, one is, you know, Sakuraba's clearly good on the ground. He he can, you know, handle himself against, you know, pretty much all levels in in ground situations. And also he's a pretty efficient, aggressive, creative striker as well. Um, And then to top it all off, he's got a considerable weight advantage as well and height advantage over and I think all these things um just become too much you know this is seven years after UFC kick-started so you know it's had seven years of evolution You, you were saying how you felt that there was a considerable difference between USC one and USC two which was a matter of months well this is seven years of evolution and um Sakuraba was the the best of that evolution at the time um, and giving away that weight advantage, giving away skill set advantage, uh, was just steps too much. I remember watching this, you know, um, you know when it happened, um, and I was still a little bit in the delusion of you know the Graces were always going to win no matter what. Um, but I think this is a wake up. I, I think
0: they were as well, in fairness. Fairness. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think they a lot were. Of people
1: was. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think this was the first realization that hey, weight really does matter and and being well-rounded absolutely matters um the the problem hoyler had in this fight was that he was smaller weaker um yes okay he could probably match sakuraba on the ground in some sorts but he doesn't have the wrestling capabilities to get in there uh, in a in a positive position you know he was unable to enter in and get sakuraba on his back um, and actually pressurize the pace and situation to, to open up opportunities. Um yeah, he just he looked out of his depth. It was a very uncomfortable um fight to watch. Uh yeah, I really felt for Hoyler. it was just it was just a really horrible experience for him. It, it looked brutal.
0: It was it was it was there was points in the fight which were quite uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Um so I was gonna ask you a friend of the show, John, uh, Johnny Wishbone asked, Do you think, do you Raked, uh Sakuraba as one of the greatest MMA fighters of all time.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, what you have to do it is you have to do it from era to era and how they were dominant and, and you know for the time that they, that they, they were their most effective. And yeah, I think for the fact of he's, he was so creative uh, with the way that he, he struck and particularly with the way that he did the submissions, I mean, he was catching people in submissions from, from the feet by giving up his back standing. Which is really creative and really unusual um you know for, for that for that aspect really at the time for for his era um yeah he he was one of the one of the greatest that, that, that's been um, he, he just brought so much attention and um and you really did believe that he was unbeatable uh you know yeah. for, a, for a set period as you do with fighters um yeah I really enjoyed watching him um,
0: do you think you know, he was one of the first um, kind of all-rounded MMA fighters whereby he could do a bit of grappling, his striking uh, no, was on his strength? No, nah, there was
1: well-rounded fighters, you know, at this time and, and years before as well. There, there had been well-rounded fighters, um, but I think he was the first well-rounded fighter that was thinking out of the box of his approach to go about his submissions and thinking out of the box for his approach to do takedowns, um, out the box for his striking. And and also out of the box in terms of switching it up for striking into the ground, uh, you know, or into the wrestling, he just was doing things that people didn't expect, and I think that's why he was a puzzle that took a little longer to to figure out. Um, yeah, he was just so, so great to watch. Uh, I really enjoyed all these fights that he did with the Graces, um, and not just the Graces. Well, he had great fights with Mandalay Silver as well. Because um, most of the time, he was giving up weight to opponents. It, quite often, he was mm. a smaller man. Um, he really was a warrior in every sense of the word. Um, but in this case, which was an unusual um, situation for him, he's actually fighting someone smaller than him. Um, it was almost like uh, I got a sense that Sakuraba was almost playing with Hoyler a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah it was almost I, like, I think so. Yeah, it was like he knew he could put his foot down and get this out of the way. But he respected Hoiler enough to know, look, if he opens up too much, he could open himself up for a bit of trouble. So he certainly won't rush him. He had a lot of time on the clock, um, yeah, and I, I, he wasn't taking in any chances. But you know, it's not one of those fights that I would enjoy watching back time and time again because once you watched it a couple of times, you kind of know there's long periods of the same going on. Um, you know, but like we, you know, we say you've got what you got in front of you. Um, it was interesting to see his approach. Um, he just stayed out of Hoyler's main game set, which is the ground. Um, you know, Hoyler had to shoot in. We knew he was going to have to shoot in. He couldn't stand and strike with a bigger man, a more skillful man. Um, but Hoyler's wrestling really wasn't up to much. Um, and you saw him sitting into a, a one-hooks guard, first of all. Um and you know, uh, uh, Sakuraba was choosing to to have both arms out out uh, to create base. I had this very similar situation against uh, Augusta Frota, where he's using one and two hooks guard on me. And um, and one of the things that you know I, I've known to do is is to hold round uh, one of the hooked hooks that the guy has on your legs. You hold round with your arm, and then you can strike with the other arm. And what that does is instead of putting your hand down as base, which Enables him to lift your hips up, which makes a hook's guard potentially dangerous. If you hold behind the knee, it helps sit your bum on your heels and it helps okay. anchor your hips. So it just gives you base and balance. And with the other arm, because you're not having to post it down because you're not having your hips lifted, you're able to, to strike with the other hand. Um, it did surprise me that Sakuraba wasn't choosing to do that. Um, but I think it's because they weren't five minute rounds; They were 15 minute rounds. So he knew he had time. Um, I think he was just feeling out what kind of strength Hoyler had. Um, I think that's why perhaps he was ch- choosing to do that. But um Hoyler yeah. was never looking like he was going to sweep him, which is one of the main threats from a hooks guard situation. He just played it really, really safe down there. Um, and when he got to the feet, we started to see a real pattern, uh, a real main theme of the fight, which was um, Hoyler's undoing. Um, regards getting behind in, in in the fight and that was being kicked at the legs um, he was sat in a butt scoop position for much of the the, the, the rounds trying to utilize some kicks uh to the legs of sakuraba but of course you know if you're on your ground you're not going to have much in terms of consequence you know kicking up at, a, up at a guy unless you can get access to his head which sakuraba was way too savvy for and, and you just saw these brutal leg kicks going in uh, they were landing on the thigh landing on the shin and a couple of times you see Hoyler wincing clearly they were troubling him but respects to Hoyler he he really toughed it out he never looked like he was um he he was going to turn and run from the situation he he was sucking it up um,
0: still i i think he thought he could still win and that's that's the yeah you know that's the thing with the gracies is is you do feel that even with all the damage he took to those legs in those fifty minute rounds where his legs inside Ooh. and out were just bruised and cut, yeah he still felt that if he could get a hold of him, he could tap him out you know quite quickly, but um what kind of I found a little bit eye opening is like like I said, you had that first minute where Gracie did get a hold of him and got him to the floor but Sakuraba yeah. used his strength to get up. And then after that, yeah. he never got really a hold of him again. And yeah. when he was in this butt scoop position and uh, and Sakuraba was you know, really taking his time, picking his kicks, connecting, it's the first time I've ever seen uh, an MMA fighter react so animated to a strike yeah. whereby a couple of them where he got caught on the shin or the inside of the mm-hmm. knee, he was like Grabbing it in pain, like you yeah. don't see that because fighters don't want to show, as you know obviously like mm-hmm. fighters don't want to show that that it's hurt yeah. them because it gives your opponent a target to you know to go after them all, but yeah, that was noticeable and obviously as the as the first round went on um and and in the second round uh Royler Gracie even resorted trying to goad Sakuraba into coming down to him.
1: Yeah, that's why um, he was talking in there.
0: He, he was trying to get you know, he was trying to irritate him to make him, you know, because you know I think you, I would assume you'd agree but I would, I, in my opinion all fighters have got a certain level of ego and sometimes they fall into that trap of trying mm. to match their opponent with what suits them to prove, yeah, yeah. you know, whether you know, if I'm a jiu-jitsu guy and the other guy's a striker and he says oh, you'll never beat me striking, they often mm-hmm. will try and instead of playing, you know, doing their strength, they'll try and outstrike them and they get caught or, yeah. you know, or vice versa. Um, but Sakuraba was having none of it. He just destroyed, destroyed his legs. Yeah, but then, yeah. To be fair to him, as soon as that buzzer went for the end of the round, up he got, walked to his, walked to his, yeah, uh, yeah. his corner. I was didn't show it. quite,
1: quite impressed that he, you know, he wasn't limping at all um and you have got to bear in mind as well you know that these guys clearly don't strike any uh, sorry sorry don't train any striking in any major way no. um so conditioning the legs and things like that I'd be very surprised if any of that went on in his training camp so you know respect to him you know he it, it it did suck it up and mm. um and, and walk it off quite well I, i've got to say when he went back to that corner but, but towards the end of that round, you started seeing Sakuraba getting more and more confident, trying to hunt for that head kick. So with a grounded situation where you've got one person stood up and one person down, you know, you've know got two ways to play it. And the way Hoyler was playing it, if it was going to be in the modern game and you're sat on your bum with your back off, you're normally look, looking to scoot back up. Although, to be honest, even these days, um, you know a ref would halt the bout and, and stand the fighter up um, anyways. Yeah. Um, but normally you'd up off your bum when the person's standing because you're trying to get back to your feet but Hoyler was sort of like not wanting to get back up to his feet because he knew that wasn't going to get him anywhere no. um, but I don't think it was doing him any favours um, being sat on his bum um, because if you think about it, if you're sat on your bum on the ground situation and you're trying to attack someone who's in a, a stood position, um, you want to try to open up many attacking opportunities possible so you would look to want to kick the legs, the body and possibly up kick to the head. You can't do that while you're sat on your bum on the ground. You'd have to be on your back. But of course, if you're on your back, that hampers your your ground game somewhat. If Sakuraba did want to engage, you're already down in your back and you've not got a loaded uh, potential guard situation there. So he's kind of in a difficult situation. Um I think if he was going to choose to try to stay on the ground, I think it would have been better for him to play on his back and he would have been able to defend those leg kicks a little bit better. Because when you're on your back and someone's stood and they're kicking at your legs, really you want to be using the flat of your foot to block on the shin. To, so it don't get access to the thigh and don't make that nasty slap noise and certainly don't hit the outside yeah. of those shins because that's when it starts to really hurt, as you were seeing and And, also, you've got to think of the rule set as it was back then. You could be kicked to the head on the ground, and so again yes. it's a, a little bit of a head scratch on why he choose to butt scoop up to uh, Sakuraba when you could potentially get leaving himself in the head. open
0: for the head kick, yeah, he?
1: and you started seeing Sakuraba look for that a little bit more at the end of that first round, and I did wonder how long it would be before one connects, and it wasn't long before you know my wonders come to light in that second round because uh after a little change on the feet where Hoyler was just doing what graces do, they try to sort of knee stomp, try to keep your way and look for the entry to try to get you to a ground situation. He was eating up some horrible, horrible leg kicks. Um, He ends up on the ground again in that butt scoot situation. And and then that head kick lands. Um, I mean, lucky for Hoyler, it was with the foot and not the outright shin because I I think this would have put an end to the fight completely either by cut or complete knockout. Um, but it was well, a foot. You... It still didn't look very nice.
0: No, um, human human beings cannot take head kicks. Uh, you know when they're on the floor like that. Mm. Um, you know of any note, they just can't. Um, <clears throat> but going back to something you said, which I found interesting—not the only thing I found interesting, but one of the things which I uh, kind of picked up on—was you said um, you said about the Gracies not being conditioned to receive strikes because they don't train strikes. And yeah. um, as we noticed and said, you know, with um, last week with UFC one, is Royce Gracie won that fight? Uh, won the whole tournament without throwing a punch? Standing up, yeah. He threw a couple like short jabs to the ribs during the grapples to to, yeah. to transition, you know, through his yeah. through the guard and stuff like that. But it was really interesting that when you know that that was the kind of. After watching last week, that was my first taste. Obviously, I've seen some of these before, but the mm. first taste for me of seeing a Gracie up against someone who they couldn't get hold of and who was, you know, a good striker. Um, so I'm looking forward to progressing through these various. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly um, going
1: to get interesting because obviously shows. things evolved very, very quickly um, between, say, yeah. UFC, you know, one and UFC just six. So. There Was you're already seeing much more complete, much more aware Emma that you would recognize stylistically to what you'd see today? Um,
0: yeah, hmm. um, so just to talk about the end of this fight, really, um, was there anything else you wanted to touch on? For that?
1: Yeah, I mean, not really. Um, you know, Hoyler was forced to be on his feet a whole lot more than, than he wanted to, um, and eventually. Um, Sakuraba did go to the ground with Hoyler and got him in a Kimura hold, and uh, it, it was it was really hard to watch. Uh, I think it's only because Hoyler's not so muscled and, and is a slender, lightweight guy that he had the dexterity in his shoulder not for it to give away. Um, uh, when Sakuraba was doing that hammerlock, he started, he, he got so much angle on it, um, he started hitting into his own leg, which stopped him. Sort of completing the submission but what, what i understand of the kimura is um, whenever you're doing a, a, a bent arm lock um, americana or, 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 or kimura something like that the key angle is 90 degrees now the issue you get if you increase the angle of 90 degrees is the arm begins to go straight and that uh the guy starts getting some uh, mechanical strength to straighten the arm and obviously you're no longer in a bent arm lock um but if you start decreasing the angle less than 90 degrees you start adding some more dexterity in the shoulder um, and if you look at the way he did that technique he started to decrease the angle which means he had to take the arm all the way up to the back of Hoyler's head when really if he wanted to get that completion he should have just peeled his back off the off the mat and just pushed the, uh, the wrist away from his back and not up towards the, the the back of the head where it um, decreased the ninety degree angle. He should have maintained strict ninety degree angle and just pushed that wrist away from his back. Um and and well then he would have well, he would have broke his uh, shoulder and elbow. He, he would have he would have wrecked the arm. Um yeah so why he didn't do that I don't know. I don't know whether perhaps submissions back then perhaps weren't so as polished as they are today. Um, But I do feel like he he could have put him away. But the ref stepped in and intervened. I think the ref saw enough and felt like uh, Hoyler wasn't going to stop until um, major physical trauma. Um, Was he right to stop it? Because Hoyler jumps up um, and clearly he was comfortable enough there. Um, He jumps up and there was nothing wrong with his arm or shoulder, uh, which is just shocking to me because, you know, it, it, it was really, really ugly looking it was really bent bent in a yeah angle. it wasn't pleasant
0: i no. guess it's it, do you it's, as a referee like do you wait for the arm to break or do you have uh, yeah to i save mean save
1: the fight yeah i mean these days um uh, you know pro athletes or, or referees will let it go um i think you know once there's a a, a, a lot of fighters action,
0: will just a lot of fighters will refuse to tap won't they and they'll yeah, go unconscious yeah. or they'll um, they'll break yeah
1: but initially um a uh, referee will let the break happen then intervene but they will leave it up to you if you decide to take it that far um that's the consensus and refs will tell you that in the back room you know they will leave it up to you um obviously it's got to be traumatic
0: they... for fighters I, I don't care what anyone says you know how I know fighters. Fighters are a different breed, and they're mm. you know they're killing machines in a lot of cases. Yep. I, that's got to be traumatic to for one for the person whose arm is broken or leg is yep. broken or whatever ankle's broken to have you know have it broken by someone in a hold. Yeah, know it's coming and it, for, for it to happen, you know yeah. you're aware this is what's going to happen. But equally, mm. I think it's got to got to mess with the head of the person who's doing it because in yeah. their head they've got to be thinking. Just tap, just tap, just tap, just tap. Yeah. and then it goes in your hands. It can't yeah. be nice. I
1: know. Um, you know, you get different characters, don't you? You get some people quite narcissistic uh, who would think nothing of it to, to break your arm, um, to put you asleep, uh, and hold it on, even if the you know if the ref misses it, he's going to hold it on. You're going to get fighters that are like that, but then you're going to get some that. You know, are not not quite so brutal in their approach, and they see it more of a sport, um, and they're willing to take it as far as a break, and they will let go of the submission and transition to something else. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I was never one for.
0: Where where were you in? Where were you in that in um, those two sort of sides of the spectrum? I was always really quite stubborn. Um,
1: and when I say stubborn, stubborn to the strikes, so I wouldn't give in to. Um, you know, the pain of being struck, if you will. But if I knew something was going to be consequential to my longevity um, as a functioning human, um, I I would tap. Um, I got submitted just once in my fight career in Japan. It's what led me to start training in jiu-jitsu. It was when I fought in an area, I got submitted really, really quick. I was really out of my depth on the ground. I was pretty much just a striker predominantly at the time. Um, And, you know, I felt my arm go out and, you know, I could have, I could have you know put up with it and let damage go to my arm but um i never saw the fights as fights i saw it as a sport um, and it's as closely related to a um, street confrontation as you can get and that's initially why i did it and originally i was only going to fight a couple of times just to test the skills i'd acquired in martial arts so i never I never thought at that time that I'd really go through with being a fighter, although it's something I fantasized about as a young teenager. I really wasn't sure. I thought oh, I just want to test myself and see how it goes, but then I really got hit with the bug, and um, and it, it went on from there. Yeah, so yeah, I would tap. Simple as that. Um, I'm actually watching the submission now. I mean, it's just so awful looking. It's really horrible. It's not nice, <laughs>
0: um, how
1: I mean, how he jumped up and everything was fine. I mean. There was no injury there at all. He put his arms up and he was completely fine. But I think the ref was still correct to, to stop it. It goes to show the ref was...
0: Did, know, around, this time, this, a um, injury. around this time, this is where they started to give referees more power in terms mm. of protecting fighters and right. and actually stopping fights. Because I, re- I only know this because I was reading about it earlier. Um, obviously, in the early UFCs, one, two, three, I think, the, mm. the referees were basically told, just leave it. And we saw that mm. with the uh, the, the sumo, sumo wrestler last week where he had yeah. his teeth knocked out when he was on the floor yeah. and he was unconscious and they mm. just let it go. And it was his corner which kind of got in the ring. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, eventually, like these days, I was watching, I came across a video earlier where um, it was an at an amateur event in the UK, and mm. these two young guys were fighting. Um, and the guy knocks the guy down. He beats him with strikes. He he knocks him out. But he just he just the ref stops it. Mm. But he keeps he has him in the ground, pound and he just keeps pounding on the guy mm. um, as he's like semi-conscious. And the is like in between him, trying to push him off. He can't. Right. He won't let stop striking him. So the referee puts the the fighter on top in a rear naked mm. choke mm. Uh, to, to as soon, you know, as soon right. as the referee does that, he stops. And, but the referees, I think, um, they train in it themselves to, mm. you know, so they know what they're looking for in terms of yeah. submission positions and stuff like that. But mm. I do think it's important that a referee can do something like that. If needs be yeah. to yeah. defuse a situation or to stop a fighter after the fight is finished.
1: Yeah, I've um, had a couple have of
0: seen um, years,
1: a couple of times. Yeah, I've had a couple of really strange experiences um, being a referee for 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 matches, and one of them was um, okay. I was cornering for a, a amateur match where you know when it's I think it was their first fight each that they they were having, both had big crowds of people there. Um, you could see the nerves and tensions running through them, and they both come out absolutely going crazy on each other. And one guy got the other down into a mounted position. Both of them wasn't very proficient on the ground. So you had one raining down punches, um, literally just giving everything he's got, really rushing it, and and it was all over the place, really um, not not, not technical at all. But the guy on top ended up busting such a nut, he passed out in mount position and collapsed on top of the guy Mm. he had mounted. Um And that was a really unusual situation for a ref to, because I, I didn't That's know what crazy. the hell was going on. I'm like, what's going on? He's passed out. And it was a, a crazy situation. And one other situation I had, which was um, totally nuts, was we was having trouble shutting the cage door. Um, it it were not always slamming shut. It, the padding was getting in the way. Um Sometimes it was shut okay. Sometimes it weren't. And um, in between rounds, um I had to go to the cage to help pull the cage door shut. And as I went to pull it, the two guys started fighting behind my back. <laughs> it was an absolute surreal situation. absolute surreal. So I had to tell them both off, reset and restart the timer. Um, yeah, so I've had a couple of strange circumstances as a referee. I do feel for him as well. Referee's position is quite pressure orientated because you've got to make a decision yeah, then fair. and now. And you've got to stick by it as well. You can't stop a fight and then say, OK, oh, no, I got it wrong. Start again. Yeah, you've got to stick by it is and just you know, swallow the pill that you may have stopped it early, I may have stopped it late. You just have to suck it up and learn by it and hope you evolve as a referee.
0: Yeah, and they um, they're always wrong in the in the eyes mm. of you know of whoever, either fighter or the media. But they've got to make split second decisions, and they're you know you'd like to think that they're always thinking of the fighter's safety and health as well. Yeah um, yeah yeah. And interestingly enough, we're going to go on to UFC 2 now. Um and this was the first time uh Big John McCarthy was involved in MMA professionally, or the UFC at least. Um and obviously he became one of the most influential uh mixed martial art referees in the world. Uh mm. you know, he designed the rules for the UFC and you know, he's heavily involved in Bellator now making them uh you know, a more uh taking them, trying to take them to the level of the UFC. I think he's an excellent pundit as well, i got to say. Um, right. But yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting to see him as a young a young man in his first yeah. experience. And mm-hmm. actually, what you could see from it was he was uh, very, there was a couple of fights where he, you could see he felt like he should get between the fighters to stop it but actually all he was they'd been told to do was just put their arm away and say mm. you know the fight's over yeah um so it's interesting not just watching the, the the standard and the techniques and the the fights and the weight division you know the lack of weight divisions but it's also interesting watching the referee uh, the rules and mm. and the way the referees interact change sure you know through it will be really interesting as we get through these over the coming yeah. months uh to see that um okay, so we have um I'm just gonna bring up UFC number two. Uh overall thoughts of the just the general program? Yeah, I
1: think the n- initial thoughts was that the strikers were now aware of what the ground aspects were about and they started to make adjustments to, to try to put it in their game, not put it in their game where they, they're going to start you know, shooting and taking someone down and putting it. They're still very much strikers, but they got a little awareness. So if there's a head there, they know how to squeeze it in a roundabout right way. And um, and they had a little bit Just more balance about it. them. Yeah, and when, yeah. when someone's trying to engage and take them down, they had a little bit better balance. Whereas, you know, in UFC 1 when Hoist was shooting in, they they were falling to their back. They had no sense hmm, of fluence, weren't they? Yeah, no sense of base. Um they got taken down very, very easily. In this they were you know, hopping around a little bit more. They had a little bit of way- more awareness about them. Not in every case, in every fight, but, but certainly, you know, people like Patrick Smith who had fought in the is previous UFC.
0: is that the boxer? The, the, the there was one who had fought in the previous one, um that's right, Patrick guy. Smith. Yeah. and, and, he and did, Rhodes.
1: Um, they both had fought.
0: Yeah, and he had um, obviously he was a very good boxer, but he had gone away and learnt how to defend jujitsu only on a basic level. Yeah, but enough that when he went yeah. to the ground, he wasn't clueless, and you could see straight away mm. when it in one of his fights he went to the ground. Yeah, and he didn't look, he didn't panic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is you know, this makes a massive difference to not just yeah, yeah. The ability to fight, but also mm. I would imagine his confidence in fighting someone who's ju- more jujitsu based. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But we we went through last week uh, all the different martial arts involved in this tournament. Um, mm. The ninja guy did not do well. Uh, he no. got through the first round, but uh, yeah. the second round was one of the most brutal fights of the whole tournament. Yeah, um, yeah. So. We'll go through the results. I was just trying to bring up the video so I could watch the finishes as I was talking. Just so they don't show the prelim, pre- prelims
1: or the no, they so talk through six, them. You do see a couple man. of them
0: later on. Don't yeah, you? so there's basically uh, it's sorry, uh, it's a sixteen man tournament. Um, yeah. But the opening round they don't show. They just go through the results. Then That's they show right. the final match of the round, which is Yeah. Uh, Hoist Gracie versus. Minoku Ichikara yeah um, so that's the first fight we see uh yeah. which um Royce Gracie wins via lapel choke uh at the 5 minute mark yeah was Royce it lapel Gra- choke you know, Royce Gracie uh, it says lapel it's lapel choke on here but yeah I mean, that might no, be No I think getting,
1: yeah he was going for an armbar but he never yeah, even that's got right. to extend he never even got to extend, didn't extend the, the arm. arm. Did he? Yeah, but um, it was a very easy takedown. Um, yeah, the uh, Hidcote tried to, to throw an inside leg kick. It, really, it was out of range. So he, his angle of his hips turned all the way round uh, to try to connect it. Um, <laughs> he kind of yeah, just overcommitted it. Really, he got himself taken down very early. Got mounted very early. Um, you know, fair play to him. You know, he managed to hold on, um, literally hold on he was trying to stop um hoist rising up in that mounted position to rain down punches so he showed a little resilience but there was nothing really counter-offensive going on really he was receiving body shots some mild head shots um just being softened up by hoist um and then there was an opportunity to try to bump hoist off um hoist never really uh, I think he could have just stayed in the mount position, but he transitioned um, and, and then started setting up that armbar as he tried to bridge hoist off. Um, I think the guy knew he was out of his depth. Um, you know, well, do you know what I was going to say?
0: As soon yeah. as he uh, transitioned from the choke towards the armbar, he did yeah. not even wait. Straight, no. straight away, mm. he grabbed, uh, he just tapped before he'd even extended his arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which I found very interesting because yeah, I'll tell you what was what was good about this show straight off, straight off in the, the the opening scene was they had the stunt guy. And when they had the stunt guy, oh, when yeah. he first said, Oh, this is this is a, a stunt man or whatever, yeah. he knows different ju- I thought, Oh Jesus, it's gonna be worse than last I, time. I thought but actually, exactly he, the same thing. He knew his stuff didn't but actually he, he was very, very knowledgeable, which yeah. was they lacked that in the first one. They lacked yeah. someone who understood grappling and jujitsu and these other right. anything outside of striking. They didn't have a clue, did they? The yeah, one. no. He
1: he understood. Um, he understood about it. Um, i just have a look there. You're saying it's a pel choke P- 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 because um, I haven't looked at it in terms of the results. I just watched the the, the show and the event, and um, but looking yeah. it back, um, he was going for a lapel which I knew. But I thought he let go of it and had two hands on the arm, but he doesn't. He has one. So that he was tapping because of the choke. Yeah, He only okay, has one so arm on cool. his armbar, so it was a lapel choke, but a, a, an armbar as well that could transition to. He kind oh. of had it all going on there.
0: The commentators thought it was an armbar as well, because even they said, you know, oh, that way he was very quick to tap. And I thought, because he didn't seem to have the choke right in, mm. uh, but obviously I'm assuming lapel choke involves the guide, is it? yeah that's right yeah yeah and
1: um, yeah it's not not very nice having that pull tight around your neck especially if you don't know wh- how to get out of it it must be a very very suffocating f- feeling and uh, yeah no especially wonder if you're not used to it as
0: well not used yeah, to Yeah yeah
1: exactly like you know it's it's the same for a jiu jitsu guy who is a ground specialist who's never done striking when you've got someone coming at you um, it ain't very nice it's, it makes you panic makes you feel rushed makes you feel under pressure well just the same for a striker when they're putting the ground and someone starts smothering you and all over your face and all round your neck, it's a yeah. suffocating experience. It's, it's they got their hands all over your
0: different your type nose of panic. Mm, mm. So, um, yeah, so that, yeah, that's
1: that, that's why he, he tapped so quick then.
0: Yes. Uh, so first, first, first bout we see is uh, the title holder Royce Gracie, uh, yeah. and he does not take long to put away. Uh, Ichikara, and uh, that's the first bout of UFC two. Um Not a great deal to that one. Like I said at the no. start of the show, I felt that the overall standard of uh, fighters was better in this one. You didn't really get to see that in this particular.
1: Yeah, I, it's a shame because I would have liked to have seen that Ichikara fight one of yeah. the other strikers. I thought that he would was have actually been quite one
0: interesting. of the favorites, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was um a shame he got hoist so early on.
0: Yeah, well I think um this was actually uh in terms of like the bookies, this was the 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 two favourites. Uh yeah, but they obviously they got drawn against each other. Yeah in the first first round, which is you know is such as tournament uh format. Uh the next fight we see was uh, Jason DeLuca versus no, sorry, that's wrong. Ignore me uh, no, Scott, uh, Scott Morris and Patrick Smith, that's right. Uh, so Patrick Smith defeated Scott Morris with the uh, KO by via KO elbows after 30 seconds. Yeah, uh, I, I
1: remember, I said to you, you know, I'd got this, I'd got this videotape out with the girlfriend, uh, in 1994. Oh, 995 something like that, and 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 when I, I saw it, that's when I realised I think this is real, um, because I was thinking I was watching <laughs> a, a, a film, but when I saw, you, you, if you so slowed, I remember having my videotape and and rewinding it, looking back, and you actually see spl- blood spurting out from his face with the elbow strikes, and um, oh, it's just—I remember it sickened me at the time. So I'd never seen anything like it. Um, and um and this was the, the, the very fight that I showed my dad and I just said dad have a look at this. This is real. He goes, No, it can't be son. I said no seriously, you've got to watch it. And when he saw it, he was he was flabbergasted and a little sickened by it as well. But yeah, I mean Patrick Smith just looked so brutal, didn't he? He had that dominant position, and
0: yeah,
1: he just let it all go. Let it all go. Poor guy didn't stand
0: a chance. No, he did not. Um mm. And actually, like I say, this was where you started to see the dif- difference in the standard this year or this 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 tournament compared to the first one. Because I mm. felt like um outside of maybe one or two fighters in UFC one, um the the overall standard maybe it wasn't that great. And um yeah. you know what you saw in there straight away was that right there's a couple of fighters strikers uh, grapplers outside of the Gracies who can can really do something here. Um, but are you noticing in, the, in
1: all these early UFCs, you're 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 seeing no wrestlers come in for Hoist to go up against at this stage? No. Um, I, I think well, the first the few UFCs
0: fighters.
1: Yeah, and and they they were definitely you know trying to match it so that you know the the jujitsu was showing up against the systems that were. Going to be, you know, easy to expose. Um, it would have been a whole lot more difficult to expose um, a bigger and heavier wrestler. Um, you know, which we began to see in the the UFCs as it progressed through. The wrestlers started showing a bit of a, a a dominant force. The wrestlers were kind of like the the stick in the spokes of a bike. Um, they kind of like ruined all the systems in a way, wasn't it? There was really good spoilers of the ground guys. Who was able to do crude ground and pound and use their they're really good base. Um, and, of course, strikers couldn't stay on their feet with them. So so proficient at getting it to the ground. So they're kind of like, they they, they were sort of like, uh, yeah, just de- de- destroying everyone um, to a point. Um, and, and we're really showing dominant. I, I think it was around about UFC 7, UFC 8 and stuff like that that you started seeing the wrestlers really t- sort of take hold
0: and really start to show through. Indeed. You'll have to bear with me a second because I've just lost the page with the results on. So I cannot go through what was next. What was the next fight? Have you got that in front of you? Yeah, yeah. next one was at Rhodes. He, he, he had had the longest fight
1: uh, in the you know, preliminary fights that we didn't actually get to see. Yeah. Um, he ended up having to get a stand-in fighter. Um, I'm just trying mm. to get the actual name. It was Fred somebody or other. Uh, is it Fred ich- or something like that. I'm trying to remember his name. Just trying, to, just trying to get him up now. Sorry. It was Fred somebody I, or other.
0: It's just going to come uh, up. So, uh, Fred so you had Johnny Rhodes defeating uh, Fred Etish uh, via submission. Yeah, it. it says uh, bulldog choke after three minutes. But yeah, uh, it's little, Johnny, yeah bit... Johnny Rhodes went 12 minutes in the first game. Uh, that's first right. Match yeah. This is David Levicki and he beat him via submission to punches. Yeah. Um, but that's yeah. the longest fight of the whole yeah, tournament. Yeah, I mean,
1: this this guy, it's Johnny Rhodes, looks so like a halfway decent striker. You know, yes. he's, he's got reasonable form, definitely got good delivery of strikes. Um, and the guy he's up against was, a uh, you know, a, a really traditional karate guy. Now, Kachinkai karate guys, that they, they, they really are good strikers. Um, this guy was more, more tradi- traditional in his approach to, to the karate arts. Um, showed reasonable defence. Um, I think they're just feeling each other out. They're, they're the ranges were perhaps a little bit different what they used to do from each other. Um, but Rhodes had a really good counter cross punch, um, clearly understood the counter game. Um, I think you know, anyone that's um, you know, got a counter game to their striking understands striking to, to a reasonable uh level. And um, yeah, and you know, he caught him, they they went to the ground, although they're both strikers, it, it ended up with Fred on the ground. Um, You know, I didn't know what he was doing down there. I mean, Johnny Rhodes didn't know what he was doing down there in the big, big scheme, but he was the bigger, stronger man. Uh, He kind of was punching all over the place, hitting his shoulders, hitting his back, not hitting his face. (laughs) So he's
0: wasting a lot of energy there. Um, Do you think he was not hitting him in the face because he... he, Was was this the one where uh, the guy was visibly hurt um, yeah, no, no, that was a different fight, Dick. Yeah, not, yeah this guy
1: this guy wasn't um wasn't looking like he was gonna be able to put up much of a fight. And and Johnny Rose, you no. can tell by his character that he's not he's not a complete brutish guy. He's not like Patrick Smith was in the previous fight. Um but he just overpowered the guy really. He was just just, just bigger. Um I think also you've got to remember that he'd already fought quite a long time with bare knuckles, so his hands were probably bruised up and scuffed yes. up by the time he's fought this guy. So he probably didn't want to be punching him around the skull anymore, um, having sore hands. Um, but yeah, he he made pretty short work of him. He kind of got him in a schoolboy headlock. Okay, they called it a bulldog choke, which is the you know prep, more of a correct way of explaining it. I don't think he knew it as a bulldog choke. I think he was literally schoolboying the, the guy. Um, yeah. and just got around his neck and just squeezed hard as he could. He didn't have his legs particularly well positioned. To, to, to put it on correctly. He just got hold of the guy's neck and squeezed and the other guy had no clue how to get out and got put semi-conscious, really. Um, ref intervened and it was all... I think he did try to tap. Um Yeah, quite n- another short fight. Um, but you're now seeing strikers um, try and do the submissions on the ground, you know? This is yeah. how it was different from USC 1.
0: Indeed. So... um I just go back to that Patrick Smith, uh, Patrick Smith versus Scott Morris. Was that the first yes. one we talked about? Yeah. Um, yeah. Those elbows to the back of the head—they would obviously not be legal in today's. No, not uh, not now. UFC. But uh, they were—they were quite, quite brutal. Uh, Johnny yeah. Rhodes, uh, which is the fight we were just talking about, he was the one who, in the UFC won, looked a decent striker, but he got taken to the ground and submitted very quickly. Yeah, he came away, and he, uh, you could see that even with this, you know, he choked someone out. Um, mm. not sorry, not Johnny Rhodes, uh, Patrick Smith. Know, Patrick Smith, I'm very sorry, yeah. i getting the two of them mixed up. You know, uh, Patrick Smith had gone away and worked on that groundwork, even if only a little. Um, yeah. and which you'll see in the next round. Um, yeah. Johnny, Johnny Rhodes as well, you know. Johnny Rhodes yeah. is a, a heavyweight karate guy who, yeah. you know, he won by a submission. So um, next up we had, was it Remco Pardo the next one?
1: Yeah, Remco Pardo uh, versus, um, versus Orlando, Orlando we, White. Beat, yeah. beat.
0: Um, this yeah. was brutal. Yeah, it was nasty. I mean, nasty, brutal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, but this I Orlando White...
1: Did you see the the, the clip of the, his previous round? Where, you know when he elbowed the back of the head and neck of the the, the other guy that he was fighting? I mean, the, I the, think the guy's got some power, even though he's very small and slight. He had some some nasty power on those elbows. Um, so I remember when I was uh, you know watching this, you know for the first time um, as a as a young teenager, I, I was really excited about this fight. But again, this is where size really, really mattered. I mean, Remco Bardell was a big guy. I think something like six foot four, wasn't he? Two hundred fifty pounds, big, big guy. Um, and Orlando was what, what I think. What was he built at? One seventy pounds, maybe. I, I think it was, but of considerably smaller. Five foot ten compared to six foot four. You, you've given away substantial stats. Um, and the takedown was quite interesting because uh, Remco Bardell has done this takedown more than once. Um, He's sort of like. Uh, had the guy around his back and sort of just done an arm and elbow throw. I know judo guys um, do this type of throw, but I don't, I don't know what the name of it is. You have to forgive me. But basically he just stopped um, Orlando with the arm that he was controlling, just stopped him able, um, him able to turn into him because he couldn't put his elbow to the mat. So he was stuck underneath uh, Rampo Bardell, um, he was really stuck firmly on his back. He was trying to do knees, trying to do kicks, trying to get access to Rampo Bardell's head, but it wasn't happening for him. He, he, he was just looked like a small bug stuck underneath someone's army boot. Um, and then Rampo Bardell got, in, got into a position where he got enough of his body weight onto him to open up a little bit of an elbow strike. And when he landed one, he could feel that he had good leverage on it. And it went one into a handful of elbow strikes and Orlando's head was completely pinned to the canvas. And um, yeah, he, he knocked the guy out. I think they threw the tail in as well, but it was already too late. It was completely out unconscious. Nothing hugely technical, an interesting takedown, um, an interesting type of pin um, and some brutal heavyweight elbows
0: yeah and I mean, this is like you said the where the size difference really came into play because once he was on top of him, he literally just held his wrist he had wrist held his controlled his wrist and his elbow yeah. across his own waist, that's right, um, and then just used his massive weight difference, sat on him, mm. held the he, did not, and I'm just watching it back now a couple of times uh Viet tries to pull away his arm and straight away he puts the arm that he actually ends up elbowing him in the face with, straight back on the elbow to hold it in place. Yes. He, he's right. very conscious of that. Um, yeah. He, he only knew he had control. His and mm-hmm. then, like you said to me off air when we discussed the show, um, when he hits that first elbow from the top and he realises, oh, that's his face. Um, yeah. And his head's against the mat. He's got nowhere to go. His arm's controlled with, his, yeah. uh, with uh, Remco's left hand holding his wrist. And yeah. he's pulled his arm across him, so he just like sat on top of him. One, oh, there we go. And then it's three, four, yeah. real hard, quick, powerful elbows straight to the eyes. The yeah, they, they, they were, they were,
1: they were fast. I mean, um, remember, but heavyweight weight.
0: to uh, what what weight Jack and Viet was. Well, is, he looks like a featherweight,
1: doesn't he? He's, he's uh, tiny, just in comparison.
0: I'd, I think uh, it said one
1: seventy pounds, but uh, it'd be lucky if he's even that much. He, he looked really tiny in there.
0: And to be fair to um, Remco, after he hit the third elbow and the guy was uh, unconscious, he he did it one more, but he kind of like it was like a half-hearted sort of one. Yeah. And then then he holds the wrist so the guy can't hit him and says to the mm. to the referee you know, he's out and then in yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. the towel as well, you know, and he could have done yeah. some serious damage with those elbows. So I think he deserves yeah. a lot of credit for yeah, not Remember you know, continuing you can tell to. He was a,
1: you can tell he was a nice guy in the interviews afterwards. I mean, he was saying that he didn't expect to win um, that fight. Uh, um, you know, he's just going to go into the next round and just try to win. Um, he yes. was no, in no, it uh, was under no illusion that he was the best there necessarily. He was just going to go in there and try and win. Um, I'm absolutely sure. nice guy. Right. He wasn't, he, yeah, he was not in it to to be nice, uh, to be, um, you know, nasty to anyone. Um, he just did what needed to be done. And yeah, you're right. When he knocked him out and was, you know, aware that he, he had knocked the guy, he didn't want to dish out any more in punishment and look to the ref to stop it. Um, but you know, with that takedown, um, he, you know, what he wanted from that takedown was a scarf hold. Um, I mm. think he was probably you know, wanting to submit this guy. So for, ultimately. People, for people
0: who, are don't, who don't know what that is, what's a scarf hold?
1: Um, a scarf is where you have control with your arm around the head and around the back of the neck, um, and you have one arm in. Um, uh, it, you know, it can be a really solid control. It's a little hard to do it on someone who's really proficient on the ground. Um, you know they know how to scoop their hips out and make it hard for you to pin. But with the weight advantage Renpo Pardel had over Orlando, uh, um, had he got the scarf hold, um, Orlando wouldn't have been getting out of that because that's an even more dominant position than he had, that had there. Really, the kind of position that Renpo Pardell had there against someone his same weight, he wouldn't have continued to have control. But with the weight advantage as well, um, it was just too much for Orlando. But yeah, I really believe he wanted the scaffold, was unable to attain it and, and really just discovered that, oh, there's an elbow shot there. Um, and then mm. once he found a home for it, um, he just kept repeating the process.
0: Yeah. And he was knocked the F out. He was gone. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Remco, the nice guy, Pardell, yeah. we'll call him from now on. Uh, he goes through to the semifinals. Uh, Next up was Huys Gracie versus Jason DeLuca. Um, Jason DeLuca, I think, fancied his chances in this fight. Uh, He didn't. He did not win.
1: Yeah, yeah. um, He went on to fight in Pancras and that. He ended up fighting people like Bas Routin and um, become quite a well-rounded fighter. Um, He's more of a Kung Fu stylist. And if I'm not mistaken, um, I think there's footages of him going to the Gracie... Camps for the Open Challenges. Um, yeah. I think he fights some of the Graces there. Um, you know, actually at the Gracie venues, there's some really grainy um, tape footage. Um, and, you know, you could tell he's a young lad, very fit, tenacious, um, he, he, but um, he's just not aware you. of the ground arts.
0: Mm. He uh, he fought in the UFC three times. Uh, okay, yeah. He fought in UFC 1. He, lo- he won uh, UFC 1. UFC, yeah. He fought twice in UFC two. Then he he fought in many, uh, Pancras, mm. uh, events. So he had a you know yeah. a pretty, uh, yeah, you know, not a by any means a incredible career, but he had a you know he, mm. uh, so his his final record was 50, 55 fights, thirty three wins, twenty one losses. Um, yeah, so, yeah, you know, it's pretty just under fifty percent, really, is it? Um when, Yeah, 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 which but... is, yeah, Not a it, terrible record, is it?
1: No. Um, you gotta remember a lot of those losses come when you know he had no ground skills whatsoever, but he ended up becoming an okay ground guy. Um, you know, he'd become an all-round fighter um during his career. Mm. Um you know, it's a lot of fights, a lot of fights to have.
0: Yeah, he actually uh, he was submitted thirteen times in the uh, fifty-five and he won right. thirteen he but he won thirteen by submission as well. Right. So he obviously yeah, yeah. went on to, to really uh improve his, his ground game substantially. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, Chris Gracie. Uh I think it was an arm lock this one, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. It was um another really nice transition from from, from Um it was actually uh Delucia De Lucia who, who threw him to the floor. They sort of like I think De Lucia would have liked to have been striking. He sort of looked like he was going to do a jump inside kick. Kind of got smothered. Um they clinched up together. Hoyce is not bothered whether someone wants to engage and throw him down or not. So he didn't, it didn't look like he even was bothered that he got swung off balance a little bit. He didn't try to fight his base and balance and was happy to, to go to his back. And um, very, very quickly worked from kind of like a half guard. Um started trying to work round the, the backside of De Lucia. Um you can tell Delucia didn't really have the right idea. He didn't hold a whiz around the arm, he didn't try and set his base back and got overturned very, very easily, um, and then saw him in a mount position. But he's young and really athletic. Um, he was really bucking. He wasn't being a, a sitting target. Um, he was showing some fight. But as he bridged out, very, very similar to what happened to the um, Ichikaru, um, bridged out from the mount position, but, of course, exposing his arm, uh, and the arm was on. Now, <laughs> the poor guy was was tapping hoist a good number of times, the yeah,
0: the referee was,
1: was like not he? Yeah, he was not not too on it. Um, then he had to tap the mat in, in vision of the referee. Um, well, I think he had his arm a little bit hyperextended by the time he stepped in. But again, this is a whole evolution yeah. process for the referees. We know, um, Big John McCarthy is an incredible referee, one of the besters there's been and is today. Um, but he was still learning his trade probably at that point. Um, yeah, Dulucy was holding his arm a little bit. Uh, after that. Yeah, I was going to say, he's uh,
0: having a little hold of that. Yeah, we're
1: just seeing Hoist again make short work of people. Um, He's getting it to his realm very, very quickly and um, doing what needs to be done to advance the next round with as much energy and um, at least amount of damage as possible.
0: But the final was with, you know, yeah.
1: um, Oh, no, it wasn't a final. It was the next semi-final, wasn't it, with uh, Patrick Smith and and Johnny Rhodes? Yeah. Yeah, so
0: so, semi-finals were... Patrick Smith versus Johnny Rhodes and Joyce Gracie versus Remco Pardole. Uh, yeah. So I think it's the, the Smith Rhodes fight first. Yeah. Correct. Um,
1: yeah. I, I was enjoying this one because you've got two two obviously strong, dangerous strikers. Yeah. Um, and then
0: typically the fight finishes via submission.
1: Yeah. 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 Was, because uh, they're, they're uh, becoming uh, just because they're
0: coming aware right. now. Yeah. Even yeah if it's really should- good,
1: but. But Rhodes really impressed me with that counter crosshand again. You can tell he's got something on it, and they was exchanging some nice little leg kicks as well. Um, it's kind of like looking a little bit like an MMA striking bat that you would see today. So I'd seen, um, you know, the way it was going to evolve into. But, yeah, they had some nice little exchanges. No one over-dominating on the other. Um, you, you, you have to remember that Johnny Rhodes, had, you know, had a lot more cage time that day. Uh, than Patrick Smith did um, end up getting his head caught down low in a stood position uh, which is what we know now as a guillotine and um, yeah just uh, Patrick Smith didn't do it technically great he didn't have to he's a big strong guy got round his head and, and just and just lifted and Johnny Rhodes didn't really fight it He he, he tapped quite quickly so yeah Patrick Smith moved on. I mean Patrick Smith really was running through these fights really really quickly just the same as Hoist did.
0: Yeah and you know Patrick Smith went on to have um, a you know a, a proper mixed martial arts career. Um, yeah, not hugely successful. No, he no, had a lot no. of losses. To, yeah. But what I mean is he, he you know he actually went and fought he fought in a couple of UFCs he fought in UFC 6 also. He fought yeah. uh, against in Baz Routines in the invitationals. Um, right. he also was I think he Michael
1: Ruiz as well. Michael Ruiz is one of my favorite fighters back in the day. He,
0: he was, to me, one of the most complete fighters of the early period. Um, I did not know that he had died. Uh, he died in 2019 of cancer. Oh, Patrick
1: Smith. Oh, Patrick yeah. Smith did. Yeah, oh
0: wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Wow. Um, he. Also went to prison for sexual assault, right? But mm. uh, he also defeated Butterbean. Wow, I didn't know that. There you go. Um, Butterbean yeah. did all right in the old MMA, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he had big ease. What well, someone who was it telling me, someone was telling me about Butterbean being one of the hardest punchers mm. uh, in combat. Sports ever, just right. in terms of power, yeah. Um, I can't who it was now so, yeah. Oh, he, had, he had a lot of
1: knockouts to his name in boxing and MMA, didn't he? Yes, he did.
0: Uh, so then after that, the other semi final was Joyce Gracie versus Remco, the nice guy, Pardo, <laughs> <Adol, laughs> uh, yeah. who was choked out after one minute 31 by a lapel choke, yeah. Was this a lapel
1: yeah, I would have thought this would have gone a little bit longer. I just, uh, yeah. But, you
0: know, Hoist did really, really good. Um, he shot they, him um, back really sorry. early. They, with them, this Remco Pardol, they, would, they were marketing him on the commentary as a jujitsu guy. Um, yeah. Like a heavyweight jiu-jitsu guy. But mm. he didn't know, he seemed to know, you know, what he was doing in terms of grappling and controlling limbs. But I didn't mm. feel like he was um, anywhere near the standard of, of Royce Gracie no. in terms of jujitsu. Now, I know not many people are at that standard, yeah. but he just didn't seem anywhere. Uh, no. you know, maybe I'm being unfair to him, but just the yeah, fact that I... they, were, they were selling him as a jujitsu guy, I expected yeah. him perhaps to be a bit more accomplished.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I've trained both obviously BJJ up to a black belt um, but years and years before I um, trained a system called Spirit of Combat Jiu-Jitsu which is basically traditional Jiu-Jitsu um, a little bit like how the ninjitsu was um, really it's designed for war and, and like real combat if you will yeah. but it has to be really diluted to make it um, you know to make it work in, in the in the real westernized world so it's um really diluted down and um, I progressed up and got my, my black belt in that as well but you know what I can say about the jiu-jitsu is that um it is well rounded in its practice, but it is left very much in its practice form. There's not much in the way of sparring, not in much in the way of experiencing the techniques that you're learning in a live arena. so yeah, yeah, Rempambode was just a really big guy that would have had somehow you know a little a little bit of know-how about the mechanics, but no real skill in the play to play it out so. You know, jiu-jitsu guys have a little bit of striking. They have a little bit of judo because they do have complete system. Um, so one of the things we would do is we'd drill someone coming at you with an overhand strike over a weapon or just a fist. You would block it, engage the arm, lock the body, do a judo-type throw, a knee on the rib, strike to a pressure point in the neck, and maybe an armbar finish uh, mm-hmm. on the ground. So it was complete in its practice, but it was all drill and practice form rather than real play, real spar, real sparring, Yeah, yeah. So I'm not surprised he was um, out of his depth on the ground.
0: Um, Interesting. Really, he only had size
1: going in his favour.
0: Yeah, yes, he was well, he certainly had that. He was six foot four, two hundred. Yeah, and two hundred and fifty pounds. That's, that's uh, a big, um, big dude. He, interestingly, now. I Don't know, I'm assuming he didn't have this back in 1994. Um, Mm. but he's got a second degree black belt in jiu jitsu, black belt in judo, black belt in taekwondo, and fourth degree black belt in Brazilian jiu jitsu, right? Um, Now, I'm assuming that he didn't have those uh qualifications, no, right? Yeah, he's Um, he's
1: collected those on his his journey, but after I think it was, I think it was after he fought. Um, hoist that he went on to train Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Ah, I see, yeah, okay, mm-hmm. got you.
0: Um, now I'm not, I don't want to be disrespectful to him at all. You know, he, he got to the semi finals, he did very well. He was, yeah, in he, he couldn't have been any more impressive in terms of what he did in the quarterfinals. He knocked his opponent clean out, yeah. And hoist Gracie is one of the, the greatest uh MMA fighters of all time, he changed yeah. the game. You know, for mm. everyone. And um not many people came even close to beating him, let alone mm. beat him. So it's no shame in you know No, he was he was um yeah, massively dominant. What I find very, very interesting about these lapel chokes is for to the viewers, they just look like nothing. Oh no, they're not <laughs> but, nice. But they you could tell by the look on his face. The panic mm. on his face, that is a frightening experience. But it looks yeah, like yeah. it's just, you know, basically just doing that.
1: Yeah. No, it's not but nice. Trust me. It,
0: it's, it's um way it um, is, I believe you percent Yeah, you
1: got a member but back in the day used to be um, executed with a noose around your neck. Um, these geese, they have a, a little bit of tubing. Um, you know, uh, sometimes it's like a rope that's inside the, the pels. Sometimes it's a, a rubber tubing, but, um, okay. you know, someone who knows how to do a choke, they, they, they would turn that out and dig it clean into the neck. It's just, once it's bed in, you don't have a lot of chance to resist it. You're either going to go asleep or you have to tap. You you have two very, very short, fast choices to make. Um,
0: is there yeah, that, like, anywhere, nice. how would you teach a student to, to, um, reverse it or get out of it yeah i
1: mean always um you know always the thing with any submission not just lapel chokes it's always an um, antidote rather than cure um you know to, to to cure yourself of an issue you have to be going through some form of experience of it before you get better so it's a little bit like um you know if i if i start getting the symptoms of a cold into flu and i go to doctors to get antibiotics well i'm already going through the process of feeling sick it just might make me get over it a little quicker Um so you know, if you are in deep into deep water of a submission, you know, there are things you could do to resist them, you know, hot that you can wiggle out of it. But really, the ultimate thing is is to know how to um detect the preparation for a submission, whatever that may be. Um, you know, I always say about the there's five key elements to any sweep, strike or, or throw that you need to do. So really you want to try to detect it in its first and, and, and second implication. So once they start grabbing the gi and then grabbing the other side of your collar, you're now two stages in to a potential five to complete the choke. You really okay. want to start defending it at that point. But there are things you can do when you're say at stage four and five of the choke coming in, and one of those things is if your lapel, I'm sort of demonstrating here, but if, your lemon's, yep. uh, if your lapel gets pulled across your neck, like so, one of the things you can do is put both hands on the uh, lower part and pull down, so it's not cutting across the whole of the neck, and trying to yep. allow some blood flow and oxygen still to go to your head. That is a survival technique. That's defending it at that stage five. Um, so it is possible, I mean, without getting on the mat and me demonstrating yeah, it course, with, a, yeah. with an opponent. I can't really explain it, but certainly people who
0: have some kind of know-how um, in the crackling Hearts will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I mean, when um, when I come up to Northampton to see you all, maybe we could film a couple of uh, demonstrations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that would be a great call. Because when I come up, I'm going to hopefully get some, do a, do a show in person with you. And uh, yep. hopefully get a couple of uh, video interviews, maybe with some fighters and some people around your area. If, if uh, there's a couple of footballers I'm hoping to meet up with, like on my travels, get some yeah, content. Yeah. And then um, sure. we'll film a couple of those demonstration videos. Cause I think they're, they're interesting to have like, when we, you know, when we are breaking down different aspects of the fights, I say we, when you're breaking them down, mm if I can refer people to, like, oh, there's we've got a two-minute video or a five-minute video on the YouTube channel, right. which says, and Danny shows you, you know, what to do from this or how to do this. Sure, or... sure. And don't be so hard on yourself. So if you actually do a good job of breaking it down, I'm,
1: I've noticed each week you're becoming more aware of what's going on. And, yeah, you're do, doing a good job
0: yourself. As my wife says, you watch enough of the bloody stuff, so you should be able to talk about it. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're doing good. I am... Um, like, I'm more... I feel like like I can hold a conversation about it, and I can talk about it. And if I'm not sure of something, I'll kind of defer it to you. Like I'm a bit mm. more confident in my technical analysis of boxing or striking than I am, mm. you know, grappling and stuff like that. Sure. Like yeah. I'm with grappling, I I'm aware of perhaps what some of the moves are and the submissions are and holds are, but maybe not necessarily like the technical side of it, like how to put them on or how to get out of yeah. them, That sort yeah. of thing. And again, like, you know, I'm not a professional fighter. I'm not a retired professional fighter. So that's what yeah. you're here for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I
1: think it, it works good. You, you know, we get both get your pr- perspective of things. Um, you know, how, how you, you you sort of see things, um, being a fan of it. And then you yeah. can obviously get mine, which, you know, just because I've got a lot more experience in it doesn't mean to say I'm always, almost right you'll always get people differing the opinions of what you say and i say um but i can only give the best of what i think i know and all i can promise is that i'm just doing it from the best of the
0: knowledge and, and from the heart that i can um that's all i can do um absolutely yeah, man, we'll i think a fantastic opinions. job mate and will say now we don't always agree um with the way rounds have gone when we're you know doing fight analysis yeah sure stuff. but
1: that's that, yeah. that's the good thing you know you get the fans perspective which is yourself you' you're, you're a real fan of uh, of it you're not uninducated completely in it you do do know what you're about of sorts you know what you know when someone's got an arm around the neck you know it's a choke and um yeah you, you understand that your chin needs to be high to be able to get the choke in um and etc um but of course yeah when we were watching a complete fight you know you might see it that one person's won it because it looked more aggressive and then I might have to point out, well, yeah, it was aggressive, but only for one and a half minutes of the round. He was actually losing mildly for, for the three and a half minutes of the, the other portion of the round. So I don't think he won that. Um, so of course, you know, that's all courses for courses. I'm sure there's, you know, some other professional fighters that may have agreed with you uh, mm. more than they would have me, but you know, that that's, that's the way it goes. Probably why they're judging. So, equity-pickety, because we do have all these differing opinions of what we see.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> what, um, what's your like your fill, full, full, uh, full like list of like, um, I don't know what the word is, like expertise or whatever, like black belts and jiu jitsu, uh, okay.
1: judo. And... Uh, my f- yeah, okay. I, I mean, this isn't in order because it's uh, m- many years ago now, but um, I've got black belt and taekwondo. Um. Uh, Shinsen Jutsu, which was under Liazdol, which is like an MMA system, um, Spirit Combat Jujitsu, uh, which was the traditional jujitsu jitsu I was talking about, obviously, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, and uh, you know, like kickboxing, tie boxing, um, and then my own system, which obviously I've got a black belt in because it's my own system, um, which we've initially called it, um, uh, M- uh MMA DNA, um, so we created our own sort of like, uh, um, syllabus system to get to a black belt yeah. in that Ah, cool so, what's that's that five than... or six five or six yeah. but are, uh, uh, black belts don't really they do i don't want to say they don't mean nothing to because of course they do but you know you can have someone that's a black belt and you can have someone that's a lot less a, a belt defeat that person in a real fight scenario it doesn't yeah. actually you're only as ever as good as you truly really are um and, and not that the fact that there is a belt around your waist um but that said obviously i am proud of my achievements um but i also know that um just because i've got five or six black belts it doesn't mean someone with one black belt can't defeat me in a real fight because they might be 20 years younger 20 kilos heavier etc that to be put into it yeah there's so many
0: um aspects to a fight isn't there and um yeah you know and that's what makes mma so special is that it's you yeah, and you see it. I think so in many ways you see it more in these old tournaments, where Ooh. it's martial art versus martial art. In many ways, more yeah. so that you see, perhaps in the the current stuff, which is it is still MMA, but it's an overall sport rather yeah. than you know back then it was very much. Karate, and they marketed it as such as well, wasn't it? Mm. So, like that fight we were just saying then, it was Karate versus Karate, and yeah, you know, all these different uh, different aspects, different mm. courses for courses, I guess. Um Anyway, we 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 digress. We were I took us off on a tangent there, as I often do. Often do I take us all all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um So the final, uh, Royce Gracie versus Patrick Smith. Uh, yeah. Gracie won via submission punches, Yeah, uh, after what in 17. Yeah, wow, punches from the Gracie, yeah, yeah, punches, but
1: not from the feet. Let's not um, <clears> get <throat> any delusions about <laughs> what happened in the fight. You know, Gracie was still doing what Gracie should do. I think he was saving his fists for the final. I think that's why you didn't see him throw that many, um. Strikes to the head in the preliminary rounds. I think he was saving it all for the for the final. Um, he engaged very quickly with Patrick Smith. But you know, when I was saying, you know, it, you can definitely see a bit of evolution there. Rather than get bowled down straight to his back, he's got some awareness of keeping his base and did yeah. fight the takedown attempt. And you've got to remember Hoyce ain't no great wrestler, but he still will have lots of tricks to his game to to get it into his arena. Um, did eventually right. get it down. Yeah.
0: I was just going to say when um, when he f- very first took him down, uh, yeah. straight away, Patrick Smith uh, locked up Hoist Gracie's leg with his legs. Yes, which I found gone, really yeah. really interesting that he was he had that know how to do that straight away to try and reduce the you know the chances of he didn't want it, he didn't just give yeah. Hoist free reign of his body. Whereas in UFC That's one, right. every time Hoist Gracie went to the floor. He just basically yeah. had a free free run at every he every did. part of the yeah. body, whereas this yeah. time, um, it, yeah, you know, it only took a minute, but he had to work for it a bit harder. Yeah, so you can tell there was there, there was something before. in
1: Patrick's game, wasn't there? You could tell yeah, there was so, something in his game previous, you know, six months before, but it was only six months of prep that he could put for the ground, course, and, yeah. and ain't going to match no no black belt on the ground, and, um, you know. Hoyce got what he wanted, he, he went from the half guard into the mount in quick succession um, landed a few punches, and, and, and Patrick Smith wanted none of it, um I think he just knew, and you know, he was really respectful, he held um, Hoyce's arm aloft yep. um, and, and like you say, you know, Patrick Smith went on and, and had quite a full career in, in MMA,
0: and um, Indeed yeah just
1: sad to hear that he had died I mean, that's, mm. that's pretty sad
0: it is, yeah, um so so next week, we'll be moving on to UFC 3. Uh, yep. So I've just pulled that up just to have a look. And uh, it's the first... I will spoil a little bit of it for people. It's the first one that Hois Gracie is not in the final. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's not because of uh, what you might think. In terms yeah, of, I remember this because uh, uh, this was the next video I got
1: out of that video shot. Once mm-hmm. I saw that, and I saw the UFC three, I got yeah. I was like, hey, let's get this one out.
0: So, uh, <laughs> as is tradition from last week, I'm going to tell tell us who's in it, tell us uh, their uh, martial art, and you can tell us a bit about what the martial art is. Uh, so, we've got Keith Hackney, who mm. is an American Kenpo.
1: Yeah. American Kenpo, so that's a little bit like um, a mix of both um, Kung Fu style with your arms, if you will, and um, karate with the kicks. So it's, it's kind of a, a mixed blend.
0: Okay. Um, and then he faces off against Emmanuel Yarbrough, who's a sumo wrestler, which is obviously we know that. Yeah, self-explanatory. Uh, Ken, Ken Shamrock is a shoot fighter. We're we familiar with Ken. Uh, yeah. Christopher Lalinga is a judo, judoka yeah uh, harold howard uh who is a something which i cannot pronounce sometimes some some style of karate uh so when i look at that it says hard soft style um i yeah. can't pronounce it though it's go goju goju roy maybe I don't yeah know. I probably maybe goju karate yeah that's the it's yeah. yeah it's like
1: a you know, a, a full contact karate style almost like a full-contact kickboxing style with that tr- a traditional element to it.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, so not like
1: we... a not, not not a kickboxer in, in in the complete sense like this. Um, yeah. But they're a throw-punching kick, so they'll just have a different
0: stance. Okay. Um, and then you have uh, Roland Payne. He's a Muay Thai fighter. Um yeah. Obviously, Muay Thai we were familiar with. Uh, Roy... A very appropriate name as well, Roland Payne. Yeah. Right, nice fight uh, now. It is a good one, that isn't it? Uh, Grace Gracie and Kimo Leopold, uh, Leopoldo, I apologize, yep. uh, who's Taekwondo. Um, so nothing, okay. oh, uh, I don't know where I missed that one. Felix Mitchell seems to have appeared from nowhere, he must be a substitute. Uh, yeah, was he who is uh, a Shao, Shao, Shaoling Kwan? Okay. I might not be pronouncing that right, right. but it appears to be Shaoling Kung Fu. Oh, okay um, but the word that they've used for it, I can't pronounce shaolin right. Kwan right um, but' it's some some sort of some form of of kung fu um and right. we also have uh, a sub uh Steve Janum who is an in ninjitsu that's right yeah yeah yeah, I remember him Steve Janum um, but i'm not gonna not gonna go yep. into any other detail and spoil the yeah no, uh, that people yeah. go watch u f c three this week. And um, what did we do for time? So we did one and a half hours. Um, okay. So, so next week, uh, myself and Danny were planning on watching the Royce Gracie versus uh, Sakuraba fight from Pride 2000 as a follow-up to the uh, Royler Royle Gracie Royler Gracie uh, fight, which we watched obviously watched this week. Um, but someone also sent in a suggestion that we do—I uh, forgot what it was—Joe um, Kazagi versus Roy Jones Jr. Uh, so we don't, I don't like the shows to go over sort of one hour, one hour forty-five to two hours. I, I prefer them to sort of stay under that. Um, but we've done this in an hour and a half, and we—you know—we could have done it and maybe 10 minutes shorter if we need to do as well. So I think we'll do both fights. We'll see how it goes. If it goes too long, then we'll in future we'll keep it to the, the UFC event plus one fight. Um, just checking if the full fight is available on YouTube. If it's not, then we'll have to use the kind of the write-ups and the full highlights, um, my friend. But, yeah, can, so they will be the fight. If people, yeah, you can be able to find them somewhere. Um, yeah. So, for people who are looking uh, this on YouTube, yeah, full fight, yeah. Um, so, yes. So, people who are going to watch, you know, watch the events and then watch the podcast or listen to the podcast, um, it's Joe Calzaghe Junior. from two thousand uh, Joe, Joe Calzaghe versus Roy Jones Junior. from the eighth of November two thousand and eight. Full fight's available on YouTube and UFC three. Plus, uh, Hoyce Gracie versus Sakuraba from Pride 2000. Uh, and just make sure you watch the Royce Gracie, not the, yeah. the Royler Gracie fight. And uh, we will break them all down next week. Um, just to finish off, Danny, we had one question sent in from someone today. Uh, they said with Jack Shaw and Nathaniel Woods going back and forth on Twitter. Do you think that we'll see this fight in the UFC? Should the UFC make the fight? And if they do, who would win and why? Um, yeah, I do think the fight should go ahead. I think that would be a really
1: good one. Um, I, I would like to see that. Um, and um, I already know which direction you're going because we discussed this off-air yes. before. So um, I, I would say I'm going to... And I love both fighters. And, and it really is hard to say who would win in, in all honesty. Um, but um, I, I would go Nathaniel Wood quite simply because I think he is gonna have a little bit more experience now after having the defeat that he had as well. Um, I, I think he's an intelligent, adaptive fighter, and I think it will just make him a little bit more um, seasoned than Jack Shaw, a little bit more
0: experience. Okay, um, I disagree, I, uh, I okay. think that Jack Shaw will win. Uh, I think mm-hmm. Jack Shaw has got a just an all round game that I think mm. Nathaniel Wood would struggle to deal with. Um, mm. Whilst Nathaniel Wood is an exceptional fighter, um, I just think Jack Shaw is too good. Um, in terms of his striking, is excellent. His grappling is excellent. Yeah. His wrestling is good. You know everything is top notch, um, mm. and there's a reason why Dana White singled him out. When he signed as the next kind of mm. the next big thing from the UK for the UFC, yeah. he doesn't do that for you know every fighter. He didn't do that for yeah. say Brett Brett Johns or someone else. You know, and I just use Brett as mm. an example. But what I mean is, when they sign fighters from the UFC uh, from the UK, they don't necessarily you know come out and say they're the next big thing. Yeah. Etc., Yeah, I mean, re- I, there, there is a reason I, for that. Jack is not just hype. Yeah, no, um, they're both
1: absolutely capable of uh beating each other, and um, they've just got to get their game going the right direction, um, uh, uh to win it, and that's going to be the battle, right? Um, yeah, I, I hope that fight happens. I think that'd be great.
0: I think yeah, that'll create a lot a of uh interest,
1: fight. especially with what's been happening with a little bit of talking going on. It gives you a little bit of backstory to it, so there's always uh. A nice little, not a nice little twist to add into a fight.
0: Oh yes, uh, and that's what you want—is a ni- nice bit of edge. And I don't mean that you know in any way disrespectful to Nathaniel. Um, Nathaniel Woods, an a- excellent fighter. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, I know Jack, um, which doesn't play into my decision whatsoever. But mm. um, yeah, I mean, I, I you know, Chad, there's re- there's there's a reason why both fighters are so highly rated. Um, mm. And I think if they do, you know, I, for, the, for everything I've heard from people who I know and everything I've read, they want to put the UFC uh, London card back on the right. second they, they, you know, the, as soon as they are able to put it on, they right. want to put it back on, which this would be an exceptional, you know, even if you didn't want to put it as like a, a co main event or something like that, mm. just a, a middle of a card, absolute banger. Um, I think this would be, you know, superb.
1: Absolutely. And, and I and think what UFC about,
0: London uh, would be the perfect place.
1: And, and we need something exciting in the pipeline because the Khabib
0: fight is off, isn't it? Yeah, it was always going to happen. Oh, I mean, Khabib what, and Ferguson, it's never going to happen, mate. Never, never going to
1: happen. I mean, is that the fifth time or something, isn't it? Is it yeah, fifth? fifth or sixth. I mean, wow, this is ridiculous. I mean, how can it's something global always get now. in the way?
0: Yeah. Um, look, I got to say, um, I, I thought I I had already in my head I was it was already off to me because as soon as they started saying about moving it to different countries and all this sort of stuff, number yeah, one grabbing at straws. Well, number mm. one is, Khabib has proven over the years that he's not necessarily the easiest to deal with in terms mm. of moving fights, organizing yeah. fights. And you're telling me that you've got to try and rearrange this fight to a different country, but you don't know which mm. country yet. And and then when you factor in the travel bans and all this sort of thing, it's never going to happen. Mm. Um, I personally don't, not entirely convinced that Khabib will ever fight again. I think he's got yeah. one eye on retirement, and I think that's a dangerous game. Uh, if you've got yeah. fighters, I think Daniel Cormier suffered with that a little bit in the John Jones, the mm. second fight. He had, in his mm. head, he had, and he had said publicly, I want to fight um, Stipe, I want to fight Jones, I want to fight one more and then I want to retire. And yeah. I kind of just, in my to me, and you know, I'm not a fighter, I think that's a dangerous game. And I mm. think Khabib is the same, he's sort of got one eye on retirement. And I, I, don't I think so think, too. I don't think he's got a massive... I don't think he's desperate to fight Tony Ferguson mm. Mm. in
1: any way. No, I, I kind of get the feeling too. We could be completely wrong, but um, yeah, yeah, I, I sometimes wonder opinions. whether we'll ever see him fight again.
0: Um, I also think that Tony Ferguson will beat him. Um, I also mm. think that the one fight we might see is Conor McGregor rematch just because yeah. he does not like Conor McGregor. And I yeah. think that motivation might be the difference between retiring and, right, one more. Yeah. And it's also, you know, it's going to be the biggest selling fight in history. Mm. That helps.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do think we'd see a better um, better prepared Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor as well. Oh, yeah. Because um, he had had a long time out from the MMA training. Yes. Um, he's uh, obviously yeah, I've been training boxing, and it's been a long time for him out of the cage.
0: I watched the Cerrone fight again the other day, and um, I know it was right. only like a minute, a minute long or something, mm. but he looked like Conor McGregor from years ago, who fought yeah. Aldo and Alvarez, and and uh, you know all the Chad Mendes and all these guys who he like systematically took apart whether yeah. on the microphone before the fight and then. In yeah, he octagon just yeah, his, seems, his angles he's that, and his striking he's, he seems to have the death touch.
1: That's the only way I can describe it. He just seems to seems to always find people's off switch.
0: Yeah. He's got and, he, um, it's the angles he creates, I think, is um yeah. one of the one of the strongest parts of his game. He creates weird angles to everyone else. Yeah. Um and he just he, he it's like he's got lead in his gloves and his feet he just when he yeah, when he touches people with that left hand, it does damage if not finishes. Yeah, them. yeah,
1: yeah. I and think he's very, very he precise.
0: Shoulder as well. Uh, now as well.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he's getting more, and more creative. He's adding more tools to his game, more weapons.
0: I I just want to see even if Khabib beats him again, I want to see that Conor McGregor versus Khabib yeah. because I want to know yeah. because I said straight after the Khabib fight, I said that Conor was so worried about or in his head or and even John Kavanagh has said since like they were so worried they were so focused on Khabib and mm. what he could do that they didn't do the normal things that they would do right. like Conor McGregor's yeah. done all his career yeah, creating those angles and counter shots and he never got going so I'd yeah. love to see it love to see it whether yeah, we were I'd also like to see Khabib at uh, Ferguson versus McGregor. I'd also to yeah. against Gaith G versus McGregor. I think it could be an absolute Yeah, all of them fine. exciting matchups. Gaith yeah. G versus Ferguson. Oof. Oh I mean that that's like a
1: dream. That's like a Blood dream as well. Therapy.
0: Yeah. I had a dream the other night that um Tony Ferguson fought Max Holloway.
1: Okay. Ooh. That would Oof. be an If that happens thing. now, that'd be a bit that'd be a bit odd.
0: Yeah, I just it was weird. I just a random dream, but like, I think that could be you know an absolute banger. Um, I really wish, uh, Holloway hadn't gone up a weight because he lost, didn't he, when he went up? He did. Yeah. Who did he fight? Um, was it Poirier? Mine's gone blank. Yeah, I think so. It's Poirier, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I wish he hadn't gone up a weight to try and. Um. I think he was feeling, yeah,
1: I think belting. he was, yeah, I just think he was feeling uh, unstoppable. He was un- looking so convincing all the time as a featherweight, and I think he just felt so confident to go up a weight. And,
0: no, he lost, um, uh, so he lost to, yeah, Dustin Poirier, I think, yeah. No, he lost his belt to Volkanovski.
1: Yeah, that's his featherweight belt, but when he went up a weight, he fought. All oh, right,
0: yeah, okay, and yeah. I, that's right, yeah. He went up and failed, fought forty-four. Uh, so he beat Brian Ortega in that yeah. bloodbath, where yeah. he's got the record for the most amount of strikes in one in four rounds. Um, yeah. The next fight down of all time is like f- more than forty strikes, and that was wow. over five rounds, and that was him as wow. well. Um, yeah. So just from the output, then he lost. He went up away and fought Poirier. Lost, um, and I think that's the one that kind of because before, yeah, mm. before that yeah, looked unbeatable before that. Yeah, then he beat Frankie Edgar, which you know, I don't. He's on his way, should, way out a little bit. Gotta be disrespectful to Frankie, but he's not mm. what he was. Um, yeah. And then he lost going up uh, his featherweight belt to Volkanovsky Whereas I feel like if you take that. Poirier fight out of there. Is that what caused him to maybe lose a bit of yeah, that? Could have been. invincibility. It's hard to really know. I mean well, Holloway's if, still real young, so yeah. Before that though, he was looking. They would look like they were starting to set up the Conor McGregor rematch because he, looked, yeah, you know Holloway had looked so invincible and he'd beaten Ortega. Yeah. It was like, oh, I mean, here we go. I,
1: it, it, I mean, what I would like to see, because McGregor's sort of coming back and getting his groove, um, seeing him fight Holloway would be really quite good. I mean, it'd have to be done at lightweight. I don't think Conor McGregor is going to induce anymore. No, but that would certainly be a good fight. Um, it would really re-establish Holloway at that weight again.
0: Oh, there's any chance
1: yeah, yeah. And, um, but if Conor McGregor beats Holloway for the second time, at another weight um, could do it just consolidates. To the yeah, consolidates uh, McGregor even more so.
0: But then if McGregor was to beat, say, McGregor beat Holloway, you know, a lightweight or whatever, and he beat him convincingly in mm. like a first, first round victory, does mm. that do more damage to Holloway than a victory over McGregor would do? him good. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And I think
1: it I, I think it will really it, it it'll put put out the spark that's barely come aflame for McGregor to then lose again. I think it would be devastating for Conor McGregor's return. Yeah, because um, he beat
0: McG-way, he beat Mc uh, he beat Holloway you know years ago, wasn't it? It was yeah, right at yeah. The start of the he
1: was run. he was yeah he was taking Holloway down and he, yeah, he totally he dominated. Him decision,
0: it. didn't he, in 2013? Yeah.
1: But I don't think he'd be able to, you know, I think he's still capable of beating Holloway, but not so convincingly as he did. Um, yeah. But, you know, can Holloway perform as good as we know it, that he can up at that weight? You know, it might be that that, that lightweight division just ain't for him. So, that, you know, maybe it just won't suit him.
0: Yeah. Um, it's difficult to say, isn't it, without... Yeah. But he didn't look. He didn't look what he had been when he went up to lightweight. Yeah.
1: But I don't think we can take anything away from Holloway or Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky absolutely nailed the strategy for someone with a short body composition like he did to to hit the legs um, in the flurries and, and kick at the legs and come out. And um, obviously, he's a really fit guy as well. Um, it was a, an excellent performance and an excellent fight as well. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so many elite, amazing fighters. I, don't, I think it'd be hard for them to guarantee to win time and time again. That's why, kind of, you got to take your hats off to Khabib, standing unbeaten amongst the pool of fighters that are in these weight divisions now. I mean, it's, yes. it's an absolute pit of
0: lions, really is. Oh, yeah, there's, there's like, killers everywhere, and there? There's just mm, mm. an exceptional talent. Um, yeah. The other thing I was interested in, I don't know if you'd be interested in doing, um, I'll speak to you after you when we finish. Um, yeah, about that. Uh, so guys, thank you for tuning in and joining us. Join us next week for UFC number three. And we'll also be talking Joe Kazaki versus Roy Jones Jr. And Royce Gracie versus Sakuraba from Pride 2000. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can send your questions in to all the usual places. we got got... Um, at acecast underscore nation at, on Twitter and Instagram or facebook.com slash acecast nation or just leave the comments in the box below this video and uh, you can find all the audio versions of all our shows uh, the usual places, Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher that sort of thing Thank you for joining us Danny, thank you for joining me, it's a pleasure as always
1: Yeah, thank um, you Sian, thank you for listening to to tap
0: in and listen again. And uh, we'll see you next Wednesday for another show. Cheers, guys. Yeah. Podcast Network.